0: Welcome to Simply by Grace, a podcast of Grace Life Ministries with founder and director, Dr. Charlie Bing. This podcast and other helpful resources can be
1: found at our website, gracelife.org. Now, here's Dr. Bing. In October of 23, we had the Free Grace Alliance International Conference in the Baltimore area, and it was a good chance for me to catch up with Pastor Thomas Schaller, who directs Greater Grace Worldwide Outreach. He also has a large church there in Baltimore and Baltimore and Maryland Bible College. And he was one of the speakers at the conference. But I was able to spend some time with him on the Grace Hour podcast for his ministry and really enjoyed the conversation about uh, grace and Galatians and the freedom that grace brings and uh, how God's love and grace can affect our lives. So I'm rebroadcasting what he originally Released in earlier in December, and I hope you enjoy it. So here's uh, Pastor Thomas Schaller and I on the Grace Hour.
0: In our Grace Hour program today, our podcast, we have our guest uh, Dr. Charles Bing, who's with us and we're going to have a good fellowship, Ian and I. Where's Pastor Love today? He's not here. So we we're, we're in control. We're in charge here. Um, Dr. Bing is in the area now because we have a Free Grace Alliance conference in Baltimore and it's great to have you with us.
1: Good to be back. Good to see you again. Pastor, mm-hmm. uh, um, Pastor Schaller, we'll call you Pastor Thomas.
0: That's, a, that's good, Pastor Tom. And uh, we, we've done the program a couple times in the past and He's originally from Maryland, aren't you? And, and has pastored in Texas. Uh, from his bio here, he got, he has his Ph.D. from Dallas Theological Seminary. Uh, he's pastored a church in Texas for 19 years, then became the director of Grace Life Ministries in 2005, has served as a professor of biblical studies at La Tournu University in Texas, Texas, and a former president of the Free Grace Alliance. Uh, He's a speaker in churches. I know you travel a lot in the world, different places, Mm -hmm. ministering the finished work and the grace message of Christ. He writes books and articles, very active and uh, useful in the kingdom of God. Yeah.
1: Yeah, useful and used up, maybe.
0: (laughs) we. We, we find uh, that we hit it off because uh, we have such a, uh, well, Christ between us, and then we have a common message. It's actually unique, but between us, we understand the finished work of Christ. Amen. Yeah, and how important it is in the believer's life. Uh, so our, our theme today, I'm just going to bounce off you. Doctor Bing, Absolutely. when we talk about uh, grace from the book of Galatians.
1: Okay, good deal. It's good to be back in Maryland, by the way. And sorry to come on a weekend when the Texas Rangers beat the Orioles twice, but we won't say <laughs> we won't mention that.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just lost your audience for you, the local audience.
0: Yeah. Well, we uh, we well, many people in our church are love the love the Oriole game, Orioles and. Uh, well, we're happy that we have a good team here in in town, and uh, Ravens took a big loss yesterday to the Steelers.
1: I think the Cowboys might have lost. I didn't check the final score, but
0: yeah, they were getting beat by San Francisco yeah, pretty tough last night. Yeah. Um, well, what do you what would you like to say about Grace, Doctor Bing? There are people listening that know about it, but we all we never get. Uh, um, used to it. I mean, it's always fresh when we hear it in a fresh way. Life-changing, very important. And Galatians is a good book uh for staying on topic and staying in the in in the in the message of grace.
1: Yeah, grace is such a crucial issue for the Christian life because the Bible says we're saved by grace and then it goes on to teach that we're kept saved by grace and we're to grow in grace. So It's not just a matter of our salvation, but it's grace from beginning to end. So I find that a lot of people don't really understand what grace means and how that applies to their Christian life. But we have to understand grace is a free gift, unconditional, unmerited, favor given to those who do not deserve it. And we can't put an and or a but after that, because some people want to say, well, it's free, but, and uh, we're saved by grace, but, or and, baptism, or we also have to prove it by our good works or something, and that's when we start to get confused about grace, and I think that's one of the problems I I see all over the world, but also we'll see it in the book of Galatians when we look at it, that uh, Paul was trying to keep the purity of that gospel of grace there in the church, and they were trying to go back under the law. So he begins in... uh, Chapter 1 in the Book of Galatians, actually, you know, Book of Galatians is interesting because uh, Martin Luther, though saved while reading the Book of Romans, called Galatians his, his, his Katie, his Kathrina, because he was married to Katrina. Mm-hmm. and he loved the Book of Galatians. He said it was his second wife, <laughs> so he, he loved the Book of Galatians because it taught the freedom that he found as a uh, Roman Catholic monk who was under all kinds of uh, laws and rituals, To try to prove keep maintain his salvation he was liberated by the gospel of grace in the book of romans and um it it was that freedom was expanded in the book of galatians and he just came to value it so much Mm -hmm. that he called it his second wife
0: yeah you um when we think about uh the message of grace when we think about the attributes of god i think that the grace message is so important to understand it right because it, it is the reflection of God's nature you know his attributes of, of love uh, the the mind of God toward the fallen race of man and what God would do to save us
1: yeah it's interesting because the Bible calls it says that God is the God of all grace is that first Peter 4.10, 1 Peter 5.10, I forget. Five. So he says God is God of all grace, but also the Bible says God is love. But think about this. If God loves you with all of his heart, it, the Bible doesn't necessarily we're saved by that love. That love has to be communicated to us somehow. God could love us, but that doesn't do any, any good for us unless he communicates to us through a free gift. And that's what grace is all about. So grace is the channel by which God communicates his love to us. There's an old hymn I like. Um, it's called At Calvary, Years I Spent in Vanity and Pride, you know, but there's a line in there that says, um, love that drew salvation's plan, grace that brought it down to man.
0: Mm, very and good. And so,
1: so grace is what brings God's love down to us in the form of Jesus Christ and saves us so that's why we can say we're saved by grace we know god loves us but we have to experience his grace through the free gift of jesus christ and what he's done for us
0: mm-hmm. and one of the one of the elements that i think is commonly overlooked and it is um that one reason why grace means so much to us is 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 that we know how bad we are and luke luke 7 when when the woman was while washing jesus's feet with her tears and her hair um he he taught that to simon the the pharisee who was present in the room and that this woman has been forgiven much now a lot of people don't put themselves in the category of the woman they don't think that they have really sinned that much or they have offended god that much but in fact we have and then the grace that saves us is so meaningful.
1: I think those that have a past, like that woman and like me, I don't know about your past. I certainly have a past and I think that's why I appreciate God's grace so much is because he has given me a new start and a new life and forgiven me all the things that I've done. But you don't have to have a, a bad past to appreciate grace if we understand that we were all destined to be separated from God forever in a place called hell. Isn't that enough to be grateful to him and to serve him the rest of our lives which with just that motivation and that that knowledge? So if we really think about what could have happened to us no matter how we lived our former lives, when we're saved, we all should be grateful for grace and, and what God has rescued us from.
0: What would you say about the, the book of Galatians yeah. uh, regarding their history and the sequence that we read here in the book where Paul was, uh, had, had been a missionary there, saw their salvation, really rejoiced in it, was so thankful for their love, their, the fruit of the work. They would have plucked their eyes out and given them to him uh, because apparently he had an eye problem or whatever the reason was. Uh, what would you like to say about that?
1: Well, it's generally understood that Galatians is one of the earlier books that was written. And chapter 1, Paul jumps right into the problem. And uh, he uses quite emotional language, too, which is uncharacteristic of a lot of his epistles. But uh, he says, I'm surprised, amazed that you're so soon departing from the grace that's in Christ. I'm, kind of parap- I'm going to have to paraphrase so we won't end up doing a whole Bible study on the book of Galatians. But... And then he says, uh, if, if anybody comes to you preaching another gospel other than the one I preach, let him be accursed or anathema, which doesn't mean go to hell. Anathema means cursed under God's curse. So even if a Christian would preach a wrong message, God's not going to bless that. He, he would be under God's curse in that sense, I think. And so he emphasizes that Paul brought the clear gospel to them, but they were straying from it, uh, probably under the influence of the Judaizers, which would be the Jewish people around them, maybe unbelievers, maybe even Christian believers who were Jews, but under great pressure to go back under the law. And uh, you can understand that from a cultural and religious perspective, that if the law controlled your life, all of your life, and that's all you knew, that's all you heard, that's all you memorized, and then suddenly uh, Paul comes along and says, no, you're not under the law anymore. Jesus redeemed us from the law. You're dead to the law. You're to live in Christ. You would feel a bit disoriented. Well, how do I live then? You know, Because under the law, it was easy. They t- the law told you everything to do. And suddenly, Paul says, no, you're free. Well, what do you do with that freedom? He doesn't really talk about that to the end of the book. But the problem is really raised at the beginning of the book, and he illustrates it with, uh, with um, like, he refused to circumcise Titus, because that would be uh, uh, acquiescing to the uh, legalists who would insist that Titus gets circumcised and go back under the law. He criticizes Peter for, even though Peter understood grace, he... Denied grace by refusing to eat with the Gentiles when when he visited, when some Jews visited. That's in chapter 2. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then in chapter 3, he explains the purpose of the law, which was not to save us. The purpose of the law was never to save us. It couldn't save us. It didn't have the power to save us. The purpose of the law was to tutor us, lead us to Christ, who could save us. Hmm. I compare it to an x-ray machine often. It's like... An X-ray machine or an MRI—they don't cure us. They show us the problem, so that we can go to somebody and get cured. So, in chapter three, he's saying that's—that's that's what the law does. It brings us to Christ. He was the predicted seed, Galatians three sixteen. And then in chapter four, he talks about uh, being sons of uh, Abraham through faith, and that we're not to be under the law. He talks about two different mothers, <laughs> like Hagar. I like to—I t- have a message called "Who's Your Mama." Is it, the, is it the law, Hagar, or is it Sarah under grace? And uh, so by the end of chapter four, he, he has developed the theological argument that, look, you're no longer under the law, that's settled. So when he comes to chapter five, and that's <clears throat> where I think the real application comes in, and really good verse, he starts chapter five by saying, stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. So Paul, even though he was a faithful Pharisee, and he says in respect to the law, you know, he kept it perfectly. I'm sure in a relative sense he he thought he kept it perfectly. But he said to them, don't get entangled again in that yoke of bondage. He saw it as a yoke of bondage. So you have the 10 commandments, plus you have 603 more. That's quite a yoke to carry. Mm -hmm. But then the Jews and the rabbis would extrapolate from the law all these other things, like uh, even they do today in Israel. For example, if you were to visit Israel today and uh, on the Shabbat, the Sabbath day, get on an elevator, you can't push the button. They're programmed to automatically stop at each floor because that would be work, pushing the button. Mm -hmm. Well, there's nothing in the Bible that says that. That's an extrapolation. And, and so the Mishnah, the commentary on the law, added thousands and thousands of these kind of regulations that it was impossible to keep, just impossible to keep. And Paul wants them to see that um, you want to exchange the freedom that you have in Christ for something that you really couldn't keep to begin with, and you think you're going to keep it? Because if if you start keeping the law, you've got to keep it all, because the law was not made to save us. It was made to condemn us, and that's all the law does is condemn us.
0: Mm-hmm. So even uh, Peter in the Jerusalem Council when this issue surfaced, and he just said, we were not able to keep keep it, so let's reduce it to three things. Mm-hmm. Uh, abstain from fornication, um, worshiping in idols, and the shedding of blood. Wasn't that correct? Strangled yeah. mm-hmm. strangled meat, or there were three, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, you there were three that? things,
1: yeah. And some of those, some of those uh, could have been cultural considerations, mm-hmm. you know, which um, would have would helped the Jews uh, synthesize with the Gentiles. Right,
0: right. So we have uh, uh, Peter's experience, and Peter hit that council, but then we have actually somebody coming up, and that's the Apostle Paul, who writes 13 epistles, I mean 12 or 13. Do you think Hebrews... What do you think? <laughs> I don't know. but uh, Can I have... answer
1: like origin?
0: Only God knows. <laughs> okay, okay. So we don't know, actually, but at least 12. Yeah. And, uh, and he, he really makes it clear, and the book of Galatians is one of those books that's used to say, uh, we got to move on. I mean, this is a message of grace that is also in the Old Testament. Would you like to comment on that? Where do you find the grace message in the Old Testament?
1: That's a good question, uh, because a lot of people think, well, the Old Testament is all law, and there's no grace, but there's actually a lot of grace under the law. There was a sacrificial system that allowed you to worship, that gave you a way to worship God and find the uh, temporary forgiveness of sins, or at least until the final Messiah would die. Uh, There were cities, things like cities of refuge, forgiveness of debt, year of jubilee, how to treat your servants and animals kindly a lot of grace under the law
0: yes yes
1: but again and, the law basic purpose of the law was to show us that we couldn't keep it all
0: probably one of the primary ways like paul uses uh, abraham and both david and abraham as examples of being justified by faith you are justified by faith without the law like before the law was written, Abraham was justified by faith, mm-hmm. and the other one, uh, Psalm thirty-two, when David wrote about, uh, "Blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven, to whom the Lord will not impute uh, sin." So, uh, we could say that uh, many tender. I think I'm sure you, because you're 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 a scholar and you understand this. That there are so many tender uh, moments in the Old Testament, in the prophets, where God just has such a tender heart towards the Jewish people, and and just saying, "Oh, if you uh, like uh, Hosea, for example, you know, crying out, loving loving them." That's grace, correct? Hosea is a great example of grace, but you know the the
1: nation of Israel is a great example of grace because God, in spite of their disobedience and constant rebellion, never gave up on them. Yeah, And so, you know, here we are a day after war is declared in Israel against Hamas and terrible things are happening. You wonder what's going to happen. But God's got his hand on Israel mm. and he's not going to let them perish. He's going to protect them in some way. We'll see how this winds up. But he says in Romans 11, 26, all Israel will be saved. In other words, there's a future for Israel. They will recognize the Messiah someday. So Israel is just a a historical lesson in God's grace because he preserved them, protected them. used Esther, you know, uh, in the Balaam oracles. He wouldn't let Balaam curse them. Yes, He had to bless them. I mean, one example after another, Israel is a testimony of God's grace, and that's why he talks about them as a remnant of the election. What does he call it? There's a remnant of grace according to election, Romans 11, 5, I think it is. And then he explains what grace is. It has nothing to do with works. No, Israel didn't deserve it. They yeah. didn't do anything to earn it, and and that's just proof that his grace is. It's uh, amazing. It's not mixed. You can't it, mix it with works.
0: Yeah, it is. It, 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 it is. amazing. Uh, Jeremiah has that portion where he says, "If you could change the rising of the sun and the going down of the sun, then you could break the covenant that I have with with Israel." You know? Yeah. It's like, that can't happen. So uh, God is so faithful and loyal. Uh, could we say, could you, would you like to make a comment about loyalty? Like this uh, covenant that he made with Abraham and his commitment to the nation and being loyal, like where does the, the loyalty in relationship line up with, um, with, with uh, our lives? Like, if God is loyal to us, if Christ was obedient to the Father, if God is loving us with an unconditional love and he's pledging loyalty, then how does that affect us?
1: Well, if we understand that he does that by his grace and the promise even he made to Abraham was a, a, a promise that God, what God would do, not a request for what Abraham should do, And we understand that God honored that commitment to Abraham. He made the covenant with him when Abraham was sleeping, Genesis 15. So Abraham didn't have anything to offer. God made a unilateral commitment to him. And that unilateral commitment was repeated to Isaac and Jacob. And the promise just continues right on through the Old Testament, showing that God's going to keep his promise, regardless of how bad people behave like David. He made the Davidic covenant with David, even though David committed adultery and murder. And so... What that does for me is shows me that God's never going to give up. Now we come into the New Testament, and, and we are sons of Abraham through faith, so we have the same promise, blessings from the same promise, except for the national blessings to Israel, of course, because the church is different from Israel. But it shows me that God's not going to give up on me like he didn't give up on the patriarchs, didn't give up on David. And what that does for me is it makes me, motivates me to live a life of gratitude I say a, a life of want to instead of a life of have to, and to be live a life of gratitude because of what he's done. So if he's done all that to, for me in spite of my own behavior, in spite of the times even since I've been a Christian that I've misbehaved or let him down, um, how much more should I love him and serve him because of his grace? So yeah, beautiful. So our obedience becomes a response to God's grace because we want to, not because like the law says we have to there's mm-hmm. a difference we we obey because we are blessed we don't obey in order to be blessed mm mm-hmm. see the law says obey you'll be blessed grace says you're blessed therefore obey yeah big right.
0: difference yeah using uh uh what jesus said about if you love me you'll keep my commandments mm-hmm. you know the the love it has been given to us, and we have God's nature and character revealed to us, that revelation or enlightenment in our heart affects us. We are loved. We are loved first. We are forgiven. Um, we are, are given favor that that does affect us in our hearts, and we have a new heart, new spirit, and then when we read about these things, this loyalty and commitment that God has toward us, that is grace just cannot be removed, but we are standing in it, uh, we are heirs, we are sons. How much of the New Testament is telling us that our identity is a critical part of our growth?
1: Oh, absolutely. A lot of it. Paul's favorite phrase that you'll see him use repeatedly is being in Christ. It's so... First, we have to understand our position that is in Christ. We're no longer in sin or in death. We're in Christ, who is life and forgiveness and everything else. And that's all by his grace. So we have to start with our new position and operate from that. And and, and instead of trying to earn our salvation, our new position says we have been accepted. We have died with Christ. We've been risen with him. We are accepted by the Father We are declared righteous, that's justification, justified, we are justified. And the rest of the New Testament is saying, okay, now live up to that standard. The perfection, the standard of perfection is God's righteousness. In God's eyes, through Christ, we have been declared righteous, perfect according to that standard. Now, live your life to try to emulate that righteousness that that you are in God's eyes. Mm-hmm. But we do that not in our own effort. We have the power of the Spirit to do that. We have the indwelling Christ, indwelling Spirit to help us live that kind of life. And that's where Galatians ends up saying <clears throat> to those who were so used to the law telling them what to do, he says, and you know, don't go back under the law, but walk in the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And that's where he ends up in Galatians. Walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So the key to spiritual growth is not the law and keeping rules. It's uh, walking in the Spirit. Letting the spirit empower you for the, the christian life
0: mm. i I would uh, I love the thought that we died with him, we've been raised with him, we've been buried with him, we have this new identity, and now the obedience that happens in in our hearts is like as you said, the desire or the direction the faith like how do, how does it happen faith uh a man could let's say well, we we have our temptations and how i relate to a temptation uh, there there's um there's the idea of of a real fight with my temptation or there's another way and that is my identity is so so uh, encouraging to me my um my a uh, sense of resource, my sense of favor. I'm so edified in God that the temptation isn't isn't uh, you know in this in this case. Um, I do a better. I have a better. Um, I have a, I have a lot more going on in my heart when I face a temptation than if I don't have that identity where I don't have that, that sense of resource. Though we have it, there are many Christians that don't live with that identity. There are, the, though we have it in Christ, we, we don't have the fellowship of the Spirit that is encouraging me, edifying me, and revealing to me. The entrance of your word gives light, understanding, to the simple. Mm-hmm. So this is a, the, you know, part of the growing process is to realize who we really are. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And uh, once we understand that we're not slaves, in the words of Galatians, he says, you're no longer slaves, you're sons. Romans also emphasizes that. There's a great difference between a slave and a son, of course. Slaves are treated one way, sons are treated another. Um, If a slave spills a glass of milk, he gets beaten. If a son spills a glass of milk, his father wipes it up for him. That's a big difference. And once we realize that we're, we're God's sons and we can approach him not out of fear, but out of affection, uh, and he's on our side. He's accepted us. It frees us up a little bit to live the Christian life and make mistakes because we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to spill the milk. But that doesn't mean it's going to um, end in disaster for us mm-hmm. or terminate our relationship with mm-hmm. our Father. Yes. It simply means that he'll take care of us and that's covered. And uh, because of his grace, yes. <clears throat> his grace covers everything. That's why I say it's grace from beginning to end. In Romans five twenty, he says, uh, uh, "Where sin abounded, grace abounded much more." What's he saying? He's saying you can't out sin God's grace. And um, I like Romans five two. He says, "Having been justified by faith, we have access to this grace
0: through faith." So,
1: how do we access God's grace? It's through faith, and
0: um, wherein we stand, right? Yeah, wherein wherein we stand. stand.
1: Yeah, from our position, we have we. we have the great privilege of accessing the riches of God's grace. Hebrews fourteen four sixteen is another favorite verse of mine, uh, and I, I hope I can quote it without looking at it, but, uh, come boldly before the throne of grace that you may find grace to help in your time of need. So the privilege of Christians is to come boldly to God and because we are his sons and because he's our high priest in that context and he has whatever we need, if we just ask him. Uh, I like to say he's sitting on a Fort Knox of blessings and we're reluctant to come to him and ask him for some of those blessings. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's what the Galatians were in danger of losing that. That's why he goes on to say after chapter five, verse one that we read, he says, if you go back to the law, you got to keep it all. And then he he says, you have fallen from grace. And a lot of people misunderstand that. Uh, They think it means you've lost your salvation, but he's not saying that to the Galatians because he continues to call them brothers and address them as children of God. But what he's saying to them is you've, you've some verses say you've severed, been severed from Christ. uh, You've been estranged from Christ, but that word actually means you've um, separated from his, from being of him being any profit to you. Mm -hmm. You've separated from the benefit of knowing Christ. Mm -hmm. And so if you, if you're going to do it yourself, then Christ can't help you. Like a little boy, doing math, a math problem he can't figure out. Well, his father is a professor of mathematics. But the little boy says, no, I don't want your help. I'm going to do it myself. And all he has to do is turn to his father and say, can you help me? Yeah, sure. But he's, he's stubborn. He wants to do it himself because he's too proud to ask his father for help. And so many Christians, I think, have this attitude, I can do it myself. And they don't want to rely on uh, the blessings that God has promised us by his grace.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and, uh haven't we seen, being pastors, the great benefit of the Ministry of Grace? Um, I looked in our uh, cafeteria yesterday after our morning service, and uh, I just saw a wide variety of people uh, struggling with different issues. Uh, I know some of them personally and uh, as a counselor and as their pastor. Uh, and then a lot of other people I don't know them that way I don't know a lot about them but they are here and I just you can imagine uh, uh, the wide variety of problems that people have we read about it in the press and we we know this but what great what God can do for a person how he can love them uh, restore them give them a new new beginning a new life and establish them on grace. And we've seen many people growing in grace, learning grace, and then maybe like we're saying, we can get off the track, get off track, get off the rails and make it, make our own way and then come back. What could we say about coming back to the message of grace or or finding God again in a fresh way?
1: Well, that's what grace is all about. That's why he says, you know, we're sent about in grace about a much more. We can always come to him for the forgiveness that grace offers. And, um, I, I, you know, every Christian has to deal with failures of some kind in sins as we walk the life. But That's why he says grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's not an automatic thing that we become spiritual and holy. It's a process of growth. And when Paul was talking to the Ephesian elders, his last words that he said to, in his last words, he said to them, Acts chapter 20, verse 32, he says, I commend you to the word of grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all the saints. It builds us up and even gives us a reward for that faithfulness as we're built up in grace. So again, it's, just, it's a process. And that's why I think as pastors, we learn that we don't expect people to change overnight. Some do. But we have to be patient with people and let let them figure instead of telling them what to do, you know read this Bible, dress this way, come to church three times a week, and, and thrusting our expectations on them <laughs> or some other cultural, religious, traditional, ritualistic expectations on them, let God convince them from their hearts uh, being as new creatures in Christ how they can best serve him. and eventually they're, I think bad practice will fall away the more they understand about god's love and his grace and as pastors we learn to give people room to grow and room to stumble and fall mm. and they're always ready to they, they're always welcome back because god's grace never gives up on anyone mm. one of my pastors a long time ago uh, told me as a young christian he said god never tires of new beginnings no, I, I, I remember word. that, yeah. For these fifty that's a good years, good words. Yeah. God never tires of new beginnings. Wow, beautiful. Um,
0: There's another new day, new mercies every morning. Amen. Yes. And, and He's given us, you know,
1: one. that wonderful passage in First John one nine. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How often will He do that? Well, as often as we need it.
0: Yes. Yes. Uh, let, let in that same text in Acts twenty where. It says that the Holy Spirit has made us overseers, and uh, to feed the Church of God, Um, and and church life. What I've found is that if you have a message of grace, you really grow. The church grows, people grow, and you know we do have people coming to church all week. We have Bible school. Mm um i mean you've been you're a student of the word you've studied the word you love the word and and if this can be passed on to people in the church that they would love the word they would study the word then then and they be are being fed they're not so much in a program but instead relationship and they're being fed um it, the, that's like different from legalism Mm -hmm. like like somebody could say well you um you know you do mission work you have prayer meetings you go to church three times a week um you're always you're studying the bible but what if the motivation is grace and what if the apostle paul who lived a very uh fervent and passionate life highly dedicated and suffered a lot but if you interviewed him, he would say, it's the grace of God that is with me. In
1: fact, that's what he says in uh,
0: First, Corinthians. First Corinthians
1: 15, 10. Yes. Um, it's I labor, but it's not I. It's the grace of God in me. Yeah. So it's a collaboration with the word God's grace. I mean, we, yes. we obviously, he uses us, but it's his grace that uses us. So right, right. Anything good that I've been able to do in ministry uh, anywhere in the world, and I do travel the world quite a bit, Anything I've been able to do anywhere, I always say it's by God's grace. Right. It's not not by me. I'm just very fortunate to be used. I'm just a crack, yeah. cracked pot, you know.
0: Sure. So, uh, but uh, uh, what, what, uh, have you ever somebody ever said to you, uh, Doctor Bing, I think you you live the way you're living and it's legalistic.
1: Oh, I don't know. Um, I have to be. I try to preempt those things by. Uh, trying to guess what the culture is in a certain yeah. place if they use a certain bible i might use it i don't think it's profitable to argue about minor details of sure do you use real wine in communion or grape juice it doesn't matter sure. to me sure what bible version do you use it doesn't matter to me uh, if people have a suit and tie and expect that of me in church on sunday i hate ties i'll i'll wear i'll dress up that way prefer to preach in blue jeans, <laughs> but as some people are legalistic about blue jeans, you know, they, they, they wouldn't mm-hmm. like a preacher to come up, they wouldn't listen to somebody in a suit and tie. Uh, so you try to preempt a lot of that stuff, but you find them as you as you go across different cultures that there's, it's almost impossible to meet all the different cultural expectations. Like you go to India and, you know, they preach with their shoes off and they're preaching their bare feet. Well, my bare, f- I had some foot issues because I have gout and, and and preach standing on cold marble floors for a couple hours and bare feet would, would just kill me yeah so i'd have to explain to them can you get me a carpet or i'm gonna wear my socks you know yeah sure so you leave your shoes outside the yeah. door of the chapel and then yeah. somebody steals them so
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so i mean there's just all kinds of cultural things but it's not yeah. worth arguing about i'm not gonna no s- no
0: but if you're passionate uh and and you you live alone under the lord and if you are passionate in other words somebody trying to copy your life they might say that i'd have to be legalistic and then we would counter and say well you have to discover the real motivation isn't me and my dedication it's the grace of god leading me and growing in my hunger and thirst for truth
1: yeah i think uh pastor that you know we all know and appreciate mentors i certainly grew under a mentor in my early christian life we need people to advise us but we don't want people to tell us what to do uh yeah, a good i think a good discipleship relationship if you want to call it that mentoring relationship is they're guiding you into walking in the spirit and teaching you how to walk by the spirit yeah. and not making the decisions for you but say, why don't you talk to God about that and see what he says, I sure. think it would be a better approach mm-hmm. than saying, no, give 10%. No, why don't you talk to God about how much you should give? Because mm-hmm. you know, we're not under the law anymore. Mm-hmm. Maybe God wants you to give 20%. <laughs> maybe he mm-hmm. wants you to give 90%. Maybe, maybe he knows your situation, give less. But yeah. that's just, that kind of thing, I think, is giving people the freedom to discover their relationship with God and work it out, uh, what it means to walk in the spirit
0: did you want to uh share a little more on uh, standing fast in liberty i know that that was galatians 5 1 um something that we talked about earlier um that that well maybe we already covered it well enough uh but we have the galatians that are um really have moved away from the grace message and Paul is very concerned as a pastor. He's a missionary pastor, and he's losing these people. Once you go legalistically, you don't know where it will take you, but he said a little leaven leavens the whole lump, so he's writing the epistle. Could you say something about how Paul cared about them, wrote the epistle, wanted them to come back to grace? No grace
1: yeah as his spiritual children Paul had his heart was wrapped up with theirs and he, you can read about his close relationship with them at the end of the book um how they would have plucked out their eyes which maybe cause Paul had bad eyes that might have been a thorn in the flesh we sometimes theorize but he he loved them and he wanted to repair the relationship with them second corinthians is another example of how he loves those in the church and and um but he, And then that's why he warns them. and going back to Acts 20, you can connect that here, because he says there's going to be wolves that come in among you. There's going to be wolves that want to come in, they're going to want to enslave you. He didn't say this in Acts 20, but they're going to want to get you back under law, under their control. And that's how I think legalism works, is whoever sets the rules is automatically the, considered the spiritual one. They always set the rules that they can keep, and that's how they judge you, and then they use that to control you you got to live like me. You've got to do the things I do. Um, the, the danger of, uh, of teaching grace, and I think that Paul encountered often, was you get accused of teaching license or permission to sin or antinomianism. And Paul answers those in Romans 6 and so forth, one and 6.14, the whole chapter. But he says later in chapter 5, he says, you know, don't use your freedom to bite and devour one another but use it to love others and serve others. So we are set free, but that freedom is not to do anything we want. It's to do what God wants, and that's to love other people and to serve other people. So we have the freedom to do that. So we have freedom, but that freedom has to be conditioned by love. It's not an absolute freedom. You know, when you think about it, there's nothing absolutely free in this world. Even God is not free. Sometimes people are surprised when I say that. God is not free to sin. He's not free to make a mistake. So even God is not free. So someone once said, the first job of somebody who finds their freedom is to find their new master. So um, uh, I was talking a little bit about my ancestry. My, my grandmother actually came over, was sold over as a slave when she was eight years old. And, um, you know, had her poor Chinese families sold their girls and brought them to America because there were a lot of Chinese men and they didn't have women. It was pretty much a sex trade situation. So she came over and was sold to some rich American, Chinese man and uh, worked as his slave or concubine, however you want to put it. She was pregnant at age 13, lost that baby, pregnant again at age 13, lost that baby, had another baby. But she w- she was being so abused and so forth, she, in the middle of the night at age 16, broke through the wall of her bedroom and found freedom. And here she was, couldn't speak English, couldn't read English, and uh, was out in a world of uh, Americans. Uh, You know, we don't know what she did to make a living. We could guess what she did, but somehow she survived. Uh, She gained her social freedom. But then later in life, probably I I think maybe in her 30s or 40s, after she had my father, and um, she was brought to a Bible study by a missionary who spoke Chinese in Washington, D.C., who taught a Bible study, and she heard the gospel in her own language. And then she believed in Christ as Savior and uh, got baptized and began going to church then. And uh, I, I grew up with her for 17 years, but uh, I was anything but free. I was, I was totally enslaved in to my own desires, lusts, and self-interest, and lived that way for uh, 17, 18 years. And she died when I was 17, but when I was 18 years old, my best friend died, my party partner died. And we used to go out and drink and do all, corrals around and do all kinds of stuff together. But he died of a drug overdose. And um, I, I thought I was free, but I was anything but free. I was a slave to my own sin. And uh, because of that, though, I didn't become a Christian right away, but I started thinking about death. If a teenager can die, I'm on the same track, it could happen to me. That got me asking questions, and I met someone who explained the gospel to me. And then I was really set free. Wow. Set free by the gospel of grace. Yeah. I was talking to somebody yesterday, uh, and they were raised in the Roman Catholic system, and they thought they had to do all these different things for salvation, and he said, he found a magazine by Billy Graham that said, eternal life is a free gift. And he had to think about it for a couple of years, but once he understood it, he said, I felt this great burden lift off of me. It was like I was, uh, I, I was he felt like he, he was, um, on, what's the word, on drugs or <laughs> uh, floating for not for months wow um but the words he used was i i felt freedom for the first time and that's what grace does for us it it gives us a freedom and that but that freedom is not to be used to do what we want the freedom is to be used what to be used what god wants us to do and why wouldn't we when we understand how much he loved us and what he did for us when jesus died on the cross he gave his son for us what can i do for god Mm. not that i have to do what do i want to do for god Yes. When I understand that kind of love.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah. What a great story.
1: No, that's a, that's what, a what? brief story. Huh? That's it. That's
0: the short version. Yeah. That's a great, that's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, to uh, be lost, realize I am lost, even though I might have everything. There could be some, some people listening that might, you know, you might have life under your control. You might have a lot, uh, and you might feel you have a lot to lose, but I, 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 we want to say that if you come to Christ, there's nothing that you will lose that you're not going to lose anyway. And um, and he, I like to think he takes away the real bad stuff, and then he lets us live with the stuff that we can that's not sinful, and uh, grow in him and learn him and some. Other stuff may fall away, like leaves, leaves off a tree, mm-hmm. uh, and then, and then we gain so much. We gain a lot, uh, all by his, by His grace. And that new heart is powerful.
1: Yeah, I think your burden and mine, both as pastors and ministers, as, who share the gospel, is to see people free from the guilt of sin, the fear of death the lack of assurance of salvation, and all of that is answered by what grace does for us. So I hope those who are listening would understand that salvation is absolutely free gift they cannot earn or work or deserve, and they never will be able to. It's a free gift that God gives to us that they don't have to work to keep. He says it's eternal life, that means it goes on forever. It's eternally secure, and they don't have to worry about the future. God says we've passed from death to life, and there's no more judgment for our sins. And that's a wonderful way to rejoice through life. So I hope that some who are listening might find that freedom.
0: Well, that's great. And, and uh, there, there is nothing that could be more we could be more assured of than this great gift, uh, that the assurance is, is there. It's sure uh, God's not changing his mind on us, God is a good Father. God has made it possible. He gave us His best. That He Himself came and did what He had to do to save us, and this uh, this salvation is sure. And it's God's mind for you to have that assurance, like you just said. You know, the victory over death of it, the forgiveness of sin, and the assurance of it all. Like that's really the source of great joy for us Mm -hmm. that we are we are really forgiven
1: when people understand what grace has done for them and how they can know for sure they're going to heaven and never have to fear death again what I say is it puts a big smile on their hearts okay and they can go to bed at night and sleep yeah in peace I have had so many people come up to me and say you know I go to bed every night I would wonder what would happen if I die but, he says, but they'll say, but now that I understand grace, I sleep in peace. And that's what we want for everybody.
0: Wow, beautiful. Well, thanks for being with us today. Thank you. Uh, Free Grace Alliance Conference is happening. Um, I'm so uh, glad that that is happening right here in our neighborhood in uh, Town. And um, we'll, we'll have a good time the next couple of days. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah.